from Clarefield and Associates. I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector. Two episodes in one week. We haven't done that for a while, but this is officially episode 49. And Joe Newbury from Newbury Consulting is backing up with his observations as a former auditor on some of the changes he would like to see at ASQA to improve the consistency of their decision-making. But before I get to Joe, some of you may be aware that the National Audit Office, the ANAO, has undertaken an audit of ASQA, specifically focused on the effectiveness of planning and implementation of reform by ASQA. If you haven't seen the report, I've included a link in the episode notes or you can find it on the ANAO website or search ANAO ASQA audit and it'll pop up. Let's start first with the good news. ASQA has turned a corner on engagement with the sector. The ANAO finds that ASQA has undertaken significant VET sector stakeholder engagement. It has established communication channels with VET providers and is actively engaging with providers on reform, education and support initiatives. It's also developing tools to support providers in planning for and implementing provider self-assurance. So that's the good news and it is good news. Unfortunately, on all of the other elements of ASQA's reform planning and implementation, the ANAO found ASQA's efforts were partially effective, not yet effective, or still developing. The ANAO went on to say that ASQA's strategic planning and governance arrangements are not yet effective to support the implementation of the reforms. And keep in mind, these reforms were in one shape or another recommended first by Valerie Braithwaite, then by Stephen Joyce, and finally in the rapid review. So they have been around and in the consciousness for some time. And they are to improve ASQA's performance as a regulator and specifically to improve the consistency of ASQA decision-making. According to the ANAO, ASQA's own risk register identified that implementation of the new regulatory approach is not consistently applied. The pace and volume of required changes results in adverse regulatory outcomes and staff wellbeing is compromised. So they're all risks that ASQA could see in its own implementation of these reforms. The ANAO also identified a high degree of variation in how auditors write up their audit notes and reports. They also found that ASQA has not yet fully defined all the components of its specialist regulatory risk matrix and how that feeds into aspects of ASQA's work, such as monitoring and internal review of decisions. ASQA noted in their response to the ANAO's findings and recommendations, and their response is included as an appendix to the report, that they will undergo an external evaluation of the effectiveness of the implementation of their reforms in September, and that the evaluation will be undertaken in consultation with the sector. 
Let's hope that that evaluation report will be released publicly so that we can see the progress being made to address the issues that the ANAO identified. I know we do sometimes have some ASQA staff and other vet policymakers who listen to the podcast. Uh, let's hope that if you're one of those listeners uh, who has responsibility for progressing some of the reforms to improve consistency in decision-making at ASQA, that you find Joe's suggestions uh, which follow useful. Here he is with his observations and suggestions. Another problem, which is inconsistent regulation. And, <clears throat> excuse me, you're not Robinson Crusoe in identifying this. I think in the same week that your article came out, the um, Australian National Audit Office published their report on ASQA and they made a similar finding. In fact, and I quote, they recommend that ASQA improve its approach to organisational and regulatory risk management to ensure procedures provide practical guidance to staff to enable consistent application and decision making. So in other words, decisions aren't being made consistently and it needs to be sorted out. Can you briefly give an example of the problem and then explain what you described as an enhanced auditor induction and development program that you think ASQA needs? Yeah, thanks, Claire. It's, a, it's a, such an important topic. Uh, I, this is something that I really have been, uh, you know, hammering along for a very long time. And, and I think, to be honest, it really goes back to my days, uh, you know, as a, an auditor with NARA um, uh, when you were leading that organisation and uh, and with VTAB and, and, and for the number of years I was with ASQA. I think that, you know, what I've observed over the years, of course, you know, an auditor body, uh, you know, a body of auditors uh, and these organisations and going back of, you know, we're talking lots of auditors. I mean, I've sat in a, an auditor moderation with 50 odd auditors, you know, and uh, where, where there would be a free flow of exchange of views and it's very, very easy to see, you know, in that, in that forum, uh, auditors that, um, you know, have quite mature thinking and and are drawing on significant experience and and, uh, and, and training, and then and then auditors that don't have the benefit of uh, that experience, and and you know, and that's not their fault. That they might be just learning right right at that point. They've got a job, and uh, they often will learn through getting experience. Um, and so and so, you're always going to get variations in auditor uh, auditor opinions. Uh, predominantly based on their experience and their education, uh, and, and you know that's a pretty obvious point, and and, and we see that all the time. And areas that I commonly identify are areas around uh, trainer competency, particularly around vocational equivalent competency, or or even trainer experience uh, around their vocational experience. That is an area where there is gross inconsistency around assessment very much because assessment's complex and, you know, you can talk to 100 people and, and there'll only be maybe, you know, maybe 40 people in that group that really understand assessment. And so assessment's complex. Some of the auditors may not quite understand it uh, fully um, and, and that's why we get these inconsistencies. Now, how do we fix that? I think that, um, you know, I've been exposed to some, uh, some good regulatory uh, moderation uh, mechanism, probably the best of those, and I think widely accepted, uh, it was, was the moderation arrangements we had at NARA, uh, which uh, 
which you and the likes of uh, Simon Hitchick and and, uh, and others, you know, put together. It was ec- an excellent model. You know, we would uh, catch up every fortnight. It would only be like a, an hour or t- an hour and a half, uh, an hour and a half maybe uh, on, a, on a teleconference where we would, you know, have a really robust discussion around a very targeted topic. And, and, and then at the end of that process, there would be uh, minutes recorded and, and, of course, there would be a published view uh, just to get everyone on the same sheet. Now, that's the way these regulators need to be operating. The other thing that I, I make the point is that I think that, you know, if the regulator is uh, coming up with these internal interpretations, I think they should be published. They should be published for everyone to to see. And, of course, they're hesitant to do that because, of course, people, you know, might use them in some sort of dispute or something, which I, I get. I get the complexities around that. But But I think we've got to look, we've got to try and look beyond that and uh, and the regulator needs to be prepared to you know put their stake in the ground and stand and, and stand by it you know and so I'm not privy these days to what mechanisms ASQA has as a moderation but I'm very much exposed to the outcomes of inconsistent regulation all the time okay and I, I talk in the article about you know lightweight auditors and I'm not meaning to be derogative about that the reality is there are auditors out there that have undertaken you know, training and assessment courses, you know, the, the minimum uh, requirements for them to have a TAE, just like everyone else. And those courses, that you know, have not served them well, basically. Yes, they've got a qualification, but do they, do they really understand the complexities of assessment design, as, as an example? And, you know, in a few cases, no, the answer is no, they don't. Uh, but that's not to take away from the very experienced auditors, you know, that are, that are still in the game, you know, many of, uh, of who you and I would know very well, are very highly, you know, regarded and very experienced. Um, but, you know, we need to lift those guys up at the bottom and lift them up and give them the knowledge so that they can go out and apply a consistent uh, regulatory decision-making model based on the evidence that they're seeing. You know, uh, we've got to work better at that. And uh, and this is an area that I don't have confidence in with ASCA at the moment. And I hope that they, uh, with all their consultation they're undertaking at the moment, that they, they can address this problem. So one of the suggestions that I've made is that when they bring on a new auditor, there should be a pretty robust process. I don't think the regulator can just accept that, you know, they, they have these uh, selection criteria and the person's provided, a you know, a copy of this qualification and a copy of that qualification, and that's where it stops. I think now no doubt they have some type of induction process. I'm sure, I'm sure they do. But I think that that, that program needs to be, uh, you know, longer and deeper and it needs to really uh, educate that person no matter what level they're at, they might be they might be an expert or they might be someone that's just starting out. But regardless of that, we need to lift that person up so that they uh, understand the complexities of reliability around assessment and uh, and vocational equivalent competency and these types of things. And so I think that you know what that model is 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 probably uh, when I say an enhanced, obviously it's enhanced in terms of what they're doing at the moment. Uh, I would imagine that it, it should involve. Um, you know, a program where they're exposed to uh, to discussion, uh, technical discussion around compliance and around around interpreting evidence. Um, there should be activities where they're they're given evidence and and they're expected to make a decision and record their judgments. That is then subject to a review by someone with a lot more experience than them. I mean, I'm just putting together a couple of suggestions here, but you know, I suppose what I'm uh, suggesting is that it wouldn't take much, to be honest. Uh, to put together some type of development program that takes that person, no matter what level they're entering the organisation, 
to a level where we can have confidence in the decision making uh, that they're uh, that they're applying. But I'll also mention other suggestions that I've made in the past. I think that ASQA should be publishing their guidance. The RTO should be on the same level as the, as the auditors. When I was a contract auditor with ASQA, we had a portal where there were some moderation outcomes. And I'm sure that information is a lot more in depth these days. I think RTOs should have access to that. I think we've all got to be on the same on the same hymn sheet. We'll keep on banging along at this, uh, Claire, for the next decade, and hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> well, let, let's hope it doesn't take another decade. And look, I agree with you, and I think uh, Texa actually has um, has demonstrated its propensity to slightly different, um, but they develop up guidance notes when there are issues with the standards and interpreting them that they think they can see providers don't fully understand. Um, now, the same won't necessarily work in, in VET, and I'm not suggesting a wholesale adoption of them, but again, it's the regulator being prepared to explain in greater detail what it is that they are looking for in those areas where, as you say, audited judgment needs to be moderated and uh, an agreement reached. So where those decisions are being taken, um, I totally agree with you, they need to be published. Uh, we need to think about it as part of um, ASQA's education of the sector. Mm. Joe, it, I'll get off my soapbox because we could go on uh, <laughs> for quite some time. It is always such a pleasure to speak with you. You have a really, I'm not sure it's unique, but it might almost be unique ability to take VET and explain it in very practical and accessible terms. And I think that's enormously helpful uh, mm. for people who are trying to grab grapple with and and get their heads around what is expected of them um, and that's particularly true when it comes to assessment so thank you very much for making the time available my, my pleasure all the very best to you and your team great well thanks for having me along Claire it's been a pleasure